All right, this is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true. And it is all that I need. Yes, it is. All right, if you just turned to Psalm 1 this morning, Psalm 1, we're just going to do the first couple verses, and then we're going to move to Psalm 119, 176 verses that we will do, and I hope you don't have plans. I'll excuse you to go to the funeral, and then we'll come back. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, but I, I want you to turn to uh, Psalm 1. Do you know Psalms are like the, the heart songs? And David wrote many, um, but, but we don't know the author of some of the Psalms. And they are just simply songs from the heart. And, it, and they're not all just, oh, life is wonderful, praise the Lord. I mean, there's a lot of praise to the Lord, but a lot of times the praise came after they poured out their heart and they cried out to the Lord. And so um, these, these um, Psalms are just an expression of our of our heart. And, and I think sometimes we don't know the author of some of the Psalms, like Psalm 1, Psalm 119. We don't know the author because sometimes if we know the author, we think too much about him writing it and his particular life and why he would write that. But if you don't know who wrote it, then you pretty much know that this is a Psalm that you and I can read and know it is ours. And he is writing this in Psalm, start with this particular Psalm. And I just heard this week that, that Psalm 1 is the bouncer. The, you know what a bouncer does. It kind of, it kind of um, gets you straight before you walk in. Make sure that, you know, and, and Psalm 1 kind of sets the tone right off the bat by saying that there are only two paths. And if you want to be blessed, and blessed is, I mean, we can say that we're blessed if you have health, if you have family and you, you've got um, material possessions. And, and, you know, we all living in West Michigan, we can say we have been so blessed. But blessed, when God's word uses the word blessed, you don't want to miss that because it is, a, it is a far more than anything the world can give you. And when, when he says that I will bless you... It is taken from Ephesians 1 and 2 where Paul says that you go through those two chapters and you see all what you have because of being a child of the Lord Jesus. You, if you're his child, you're forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been, you, there's grace. There's, I mean, there's, there's just, you've been chosen. You, you are sealed. I mean, I can just go on and on. Those things should matter the most. These kind of blessings, we should want even more than earthly blessings. And so he starts with Psalm 1 by saying, the, the writer says, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman. Put your name there. I'm a firm believer because God's word is so personal. You can put your name in there. Blessed are you. And this is where he's going to show you that you and I, we have only, we've only got two choices, not, not 50, not a hundred. It's not that complicated. You have got, you, you can choose which path you're going on. It's one of two paths. One is the path of your own self, or one is the path of walking in step with him. And he said, I will bless you. And you don't want to miss my blessings. I will bless you 
Blessed is the man who does not. So it's a choice you make. I'm not going to go down the path. I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel of the wicked. You think, well, I don't listen to wickedness. Do you know that anything other than, than of the Lord, if it's of this world, if we are listening to the counsel, and we listen plenty to the counsel of this world, we can watch the news and we can get ourselves so worked up and we think it all looks hopeless and we're doomed and, and all looks defeated and we get discouraged and you're listening to the counsel of the wicked. Because what do you know about your future? You're sealed. You've been bought with a price. Your future is for sure. You're going to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth. I mean, these are things we, we should be thrilled about and don't listen to doom and gloom. And so you'll be blessed if you don't listen to that kind of counsel. And he says also, you'll be blessed if you don't stand in the way of sinners. In other words, you don't compromise. I mean, you know, so often it's so easy to blend in. I mean, you can think of different different groups of friends or whatever. Um, how often don't you start compromising? Or um, if you know that maybe things, you're walking in a direction that you shouldn't go, but, you know, they're all doing it, and you certainly don't want to look like the odd one. And, and if the Lord is convicting you, he says, I don't want you standing in the way of sinners. I don't want you compromising. I want you to be different. I want you to stand for what's right. I don't want you compromising. You you have been bought with a price. The cost for your soul is high. And you shouldn't be blending in with the world. Or sit in the way of the mockers. And mockers are anybody who thinks they can handle life themselves. I mean, that's mockery. And did you see the progression, how he, he knows human nature? You start by just innocently walking. And then pretty soon, when you stop walking and you start standing in the way of sinners, you've kind of firmed yourself up right there. And then pretty soon you sit. Now we're comfortable. Now we're comfortable there. And so the psalmist says, I'm going to start right off the bat by making sure that you take a good look at yourself and know that as his child, you have a choice on which path you're going to go down. Every second of every day. And I will so make it worth your while. If you do not walk in the counsel of the, of the wicked, of the ungodly. If you don't listen to the ways of the world because you know how it all ends. And you don't stand in the way of sinners. Instead, you stand on the principles of God's word. And you want to be different. You want to look different. Because when Jesus is in your heart, when the Spirit, you have seen from the summer study of the fruit of the Spirit, when you are, when, when the Holy Spirit is working, he's coming out of your countenance, he's coming out of your attitude, he's coming out of your actions, he is changing your life, and he wants you standing with him and not with sinners. 
And I know we all have people, I mean, we're all sinners, I know, but I think you get what he's saying. I don't want you standing there because I am calling you out to be different. And then starting to be comfortable, sit in the seat of the mockers. If you think that you can just do it yourself and you don't need to cling to this. And then look at the second verse. But instead, look, but, but his delight, and that word delight, isn't that a pretty word? But his delight, and anything, and this is another thing you've got to take a look at. What are you being pulled to? What, whatever you take delight in is where you're pulled. If you take delight in your own self and in your own way and all that, your delight, then it's going to lead, according to the end of this psalm, it's going to lead to destruction. But if you take the path, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord, in God's word. If your delight is that you are pulled to him, you are pulled to understanding and learning his instructions, his way of life for you and I. I can't tell you how many of you told me this morning. It was, it was such a great thing when I heard from so many of you. You said, couldn't wait to get back. Couldn't wait to get here. Couldn't wait to get into my routine. That is that you just, you just for a second pat yourself on the back because that means you are spiritually growing. Because your delight is in his word. You have a desire to want to change and to learn. Because you do not want to walk in the counsel of the wicked. You do not want to stand in the way of sinners. And you certainly do not want to get comfortable by thinking that you can handle it. But you know what it takes. You know what it takes to keep, to keep in step with the Spirit. In our last, in our last um, fruit of the spirit, when we talked about in step with the spirit, I mean that's what Paul talks about in Galatians five. We have to be in step with the spirit, and the reason why is because one misstep, we know down we can go, physically, literally, but spiritually as well. We have to stay in step. We've got to be working at this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And, then, and did you notice? And on this law, and on his word, look at, do you think a five-minute devotional is going to cut it for you? He wants study. He wants top priority. On this law, we meditate day and night. Now you say, well, I mean, 24 hours a day, eight hours I got to sleep. I got a job to do. I've got kids to take care of. I've got places to go, people to see. I mean, we, we understand that he isn't saying you got to be 24 hours a day, never sleep. You've got to be meditating in God's word. No. All you have to do is make, he can tell whether you have made him a priority. And if you start with him and you start study. Now, you will notice in your lessons, it is not going to be difficult. And that's why a lot of people like to come because they think, she's not so hard. <laughs> you know, she's not like other Bible studies. We got homework up the wazoo. And no, let's just go here with Linnell because she is pretty easy. Yeah, I only gave you 10 questions. Every lesson has 10 questions. Not hard. <laughs> but that does not mean we are shallow. 
these 10 questions, the first four weeks as we study David, because our goal this whole year is to get a heart after God's. In fact, I can't, I can't help but ask you this question this morning. Why are you here? What you come for? I know that sounds blunt, but you've got to ask yourself, what am, what am I here for? What do I want this to accomplish? Do I really want the Spirit to take a hold of my life and, and old things are gone to behold, all things become new? You can know all the verses, but do I really? And he can see if you have a desire to want his word turn you into Jesus' likeness. Now, who in the world wouldn't want that? But if you want Jesus' likeness, you have to deny yourself. You have to make the effort. Ten easy questions, yes. But in the first four weeks, uh, you're going to look at the first lesson, and I've got you in 1 Samuel 1 to 16. 16 chapters in one week, yep. (laughs) Because David is going to be an example. He is a man after God's own heart. And if David can have a heart after God's, then we better learn how he got it. Even though, and in fact, I've got to tell you about a lady that I met this summer, and she said, what are you going to study? She, she does not come. And after I told her what we were studying, I know she's not coming. <laughs> she said, what are you studying this year? And I said, well, the first four weeks, we're going to study David. And then, then because we want a heart after God's, we want, we're going to go right into the book of John, line by line, word for word. She didn't even hear that part. All she heard was, David, I can't stand that guy. Why would you want to study him? Look what he did. He is not worth studying. And I looked at her. And, oh, do I have a long way to go? Because my first thought, I'm embarrassed to tell you what I first thought. My first thought, I'll tell you what it is. My first thought when she said that was, uh, have you looked in the mirror lately? I mean, that's the point. In your self-righteousness, you think you don't need, you think that you're absolutely perfect and you don't need, you don't need forgiveness. You don't ever need to walk to the cross. Sorry for your sins. Embarrassed and shameful that you did it again. You know, I just think, how in the world, how in the world can that happen? And, and she just totally missed the point. And I just feel bad. And I said, you know, that's why we're going to study him, because he did make mistakes, and so do we. Well, kind of shut her up. But I'm thinking, man. So four weeks, we are going to be studying the life of David for good reason. If God can call him a man after his own heart, then we're going to be women after God's own heart. But we've got to learn how to, how to do it. On his law, we meditate day and night. This has got to be a priority because in, you know, do you know the beautiful thing that happens is as we, as we get God's word inside of us for the day, do you know that no matter what happens, none of us knows what a day is going to bring? No matter whether you, are, you have a surprise, whether you have a doctor's appointment, whether you have um, all of a sudden a crisis hits, I mean, we're not told ahead of time. But we, get, we meditate on God's word just when you need it. The Holy Spirit zaps you and I with a promise, with a, with a portion of scripture that you have learned that is in your heart. 
And you know what the Holy Spirit is pretty much saying? If you don't want to meditate on his word day and night, then he says, well, you know, um, I can't help you recall what you never took the time to learn. And they, you didn't think it was that big a deal. It wasn't that important. We are learning today because none of us knows what this week is going to bring. I had a beautiful testimony from somebody this morning that was here for the, la- for, for the summer study. And when we went into Second Chronicles chapter 20, when Joshua faced the vast army, and I said, this passage of scripture is your, is your thermostat on how you face a vast army. Because we all have our somethings. We all have vast armies that we just can't see an end to and it's starting to take us down. And how we learned how Jehoshaphat, he was alarmed when he was told that these countries were coming against him. It all looked doom and gloom. But again, he had a split second to decide, okay, which path am I going to go on? Am I going to go on the path of self that will lead to worry and fear and panic and destruction? Or am I going to claim Jehoshaphat's prayer? And in her crisis, in her vast army, she said, you can't, you can't even know how many times I've read Second Chronicles chapter 20, how her and her husband just had to keep choosing to follow the Jehoshaphat prayer. Because in our vast army, we don't know how it's all going to turn out, but either did Jehoshaphat when he and his men walked over the hill and to face the vast army, because that's what the Lord said to do. I want you to face it. He had no idea what he was, and he just knew that the Lord would deliver him. He didn't know how, whether the deliverance would be physical or whether it would be spiritual. And we don't either. But he said, face it, and I'm there. I'll be there with you every step of the way. And there he goes. You go over the hill, and you don't, by faith, you believe that he's there, and he knows what's best, and you face it. That's how you deal with your vast army. And believe me, that goes so counter against our human nature. So you have got to be wanting to listen. And you've got to have his word hidden in your heart that the Holy Spirit has something to work with. That's why we take the time so that in the course of our day, he can keep feeding us so we can stay in the proper condition as his child. Now I need you to turn to Psalm 119. What's the, ver- what's the first word of this psalm? Just like the first one, blessed. And this, we don't know who wrote Psalm 119 either. And so this psalm is for us to claim. He, the writer says, we will be blessed. Anybody, you, me, anyone who chooses Blessed are they whose ways are blameless. You choose to walk in step with God's spirit. Do you know that our ways can be blameless? I think so many read that first verse and they just think impossible because right away they think blameless means perfection. There's only one perfect person and that's Jesus himself. So when the writer wrote it, he wouldn't have wrote it if, if he knew that blameless does not mean perfection, but we, we can choose our path. And if we choose our path with him, we can walk blameless. You and I, we're not sinning all the time. 
But I think it's very important that we take a look and we see when are we sinning? When are we walking the way we're supposed to walk? When is our countenance? When is our attitude? When is, when is our actions? The way we deal with unlovable people. How do you know? How do you know how to deal with them? How do you walk blameless? When you are dealing the right way, you know what? It is when you are when you are in step, when you are listening, you've meditated on his word, his word is feeding you, and you will be and but the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit does his best work when you don't even realize it. It's pretty pretty much it starts taking over your whole nature and character and it's just oozing out of you. And it is a beautiful thing. And then all of a sudden at the end of the day you think, Whoa, I guess I can see progress. Because my old self would have just loved to let him have it. And when you can start seeing that, that's walking blameless. But when don't we walk blameless? Is when you just kind of, you know, push the Holy Spirit out of his place and you have gotten into the place yourself and you are starting, when self takes over, that is when you then can see where it's leading you. The countenance starts looking ugly. The attitude sure is ugly. Your actions are definitely ugly. And at the end of the day, you say, oh, man, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. It's because self and the self-emotions and your yeah, but after all got in the way. And the writer of this psalm says, blessed are you when you walk blameless. So I went and looked a little bit more about the definition of blameless. De- the blameless is when, again, like I said, you choose. You have a desire to be real. You don't want to play religion. You want a real relationship with Jesus it's not, it's not a denomination. It isn't um, how many good works you do. Um, all that is, is important, but after fact. The main important fact is that you have a heart's desire to walk with your Savior and put a smile on his face because that's what a child wants to do to their parent. I still want to please my mom. And I always wanted to please my dad. That's just the way it was. There's something, when you hear my, my grandchildren, my children even, still love to hear me say that I'm proud of you. There's something about that. There is something we should want to know that we're putting a smile on our parents' face. What about our Savior's face in view of his mercy, what he did for us? We'd still be lost. There'd be no hope at all. But instead, we can live abundant and then with a future like that. My goodness. And like I prayed today, since we've been to the cross of Christ, and I pray that you're just not a bunch of church and religion and church jargon and all that, that you know you have taken that walk to Calvary because you know you are a sinner. And you are one of the all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And there is no other name on this earth that can save you other than the name of Jesus. There is no cross around 
that has blood that can cover your and my sins. But we all have to take a trip there. And once you have taken that trip there, you've been sealed. You've been gifted with this spirit. And he turns you nigh around like he did that sinful woman and said, all right, now you go and live it up. Because we can live it up in his freedom. We can live it up knowing that there is no one or nothing that can take us out of our Father's hands. That is one powerful way to live. And the more you feed on that truth, the more you feed on the truth, the more you will see your disposition change. And you will see that those emotions that the world and ourself wants to just let get out of control, it will stay at bay. I guarantee you. You will see. Yeah, when, when things get out of whack, when, when you start falling back into your old ways, it's because you have gotten out of step. If you have a desire to want to walk with him. Do you know that when you have that desire, you will have a clean heart and pure hands. You will have, you will have clean hands, clean heart, pure hands, pure heart. And that should be something we want. Another thing that when you walk blameless... You have a humble boldness to stand on God's word. It kind of reminds me of the fruit of gentleness. When you don't have to fight back, you just know, well, this is what Jesus said. This is what the Bible says. When you have a humble boldness on standing on God's word, even though culture is changing. Another thing that we do, and this is really good too, when we walk blameless, we are now armed. We are armed against the enemy who wants to dangle self in front of us all the time. And we are such suckers to that, that we are so pulled to that direction. But when you are walking blameless, when you are being fed by God's spirit, you are armed against temptation. And Paul learned, he said, no temptation is too great if you go to him for your way of escape. Another thing you and I are armed against is all the troubles of the world. We're armed against that <laughs> because we're, all, we're secure. Boy, we're armed against all the troubles of the world. And that's all we hear nowadays. Trouble, trouble, trouble. And another thing that we're armed against, and I sure love this one, we're armed against all the negativity that's going around. Everybody's mad. Everybody's angry. Tom and I the other day, everybody's flipping the bird. I've never seen so much of that third finger before. I've never, Tom and I were driving the other day, and some kid, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to say it. Tom says to me, he said, did I do something? I said, I don't know. Did I do something? I don't know. We didn't know what we did. But everybody's got a short fuse. Everybody's jumping right away. Everybody's divided. You got a great thing like bring your Bible to school day and you've got people that, meh, meh. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It's pitiful. Though, but you and I, you and I are armed against that. 
We are armed against all that negativity. Because you know what? Every morning we wake up with unconditional love. We could wake up with joy. It has nothing to do with happiness. We, could, we, we, we wake up with peace, even in the middle of storms and trouble. We, could, we wake up with the ability under, his, under the power of God's spirit to be self-restrained, to be patient, to be kind, to make a difference in somebody else's life, to know that God's goodness is better than our goodness. To know that that faith means I can trust him even when I can't see or understand or even like. That I can be firm and confident in God's word. So in my gentleness, I am strong. And I can, I can control self. Because I have a realization of how bad self needs to be controlled. I'll tell you, walking blameless takes work, but it is worth it. Look at verse 9 of Psalm 119. How can a young man, again, put your name, young man, old man, young woman, old woman, whatever, how can you keep your way pure if, it is a, if it's a desire of yours? By living, living, and that's the word you need to underline, by living according to his word. So not just listening, not just reading and saying, oh, yeah, that's good stuff, yep, yep, yep. That's walking out of here and taking what you have learned and now living it. It's like the testimony I heard this morning. Not only did she hear 2 Chronicles 20 in this room and say, yep, that's good. She chose to walk out of here and in their crisis, claim it and live it. What a difference that makes. You want, if you have a desire to live according to your Savior's um, instruction, because after all, he's worthy of it. He deserves it then you have to live according to his word. Yes, you come, you learn, you, you um, take it in, but then you also live it out. Look at verse 10. I seek you. There again, only you, it's between you and the Lord. If you seek him, and what word do you think I want you to underline here? I seek you with all. You know, there's the kicker. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Don't lean to my own and all my ways. That means a total surrender. That means no yeah, but keep keeping some back for yourself. I seek the Lord in his perfect will with all my heart. And that's possible because verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden the word in my heart so I don't nonchalant, without even realizing it, pulled to the wrong path. I've hidden your word in my heart that I will know temptation when I'm faced with it, and I won't use that cockamamie excuse saying, couldn't help it. Because your word tells me otherwise. Verse 18, open my spiritual eyes, Lord. I want to see wonderful things in your word. 
I went through every verse of this psalm, 176 verses. There are 171 references to God's word. That means if you read this psalm even just once, you will have 171 repeats. I would say you should know it by then that you need to be in this book. And you're going to notice that there's many references to God's word. It will say his word. Sometimes it will say his promises. Sometimes it will say decrees. Sometimes it will say the law. You know, it will say different things, but you know they're in reference. It's his word by authority given to us as his child. This is how he wants us to live. And we need to be in this. And 171 times that there's references to that. And the one that I just real I looked them all up in the dictionary. I looked at what every word of the, um, they meant, and they all refer to the same. But precepts, it did too, but precepts, it also gave another word for precepts. And I, I just think this is wonderful. And the word is prescription. His word is a prescription. Now, when you and I get a prescription from the doctor, it's to help us what? Get better. Well, guess what God's word is? If ever anybody was sick, it's you and I. We are sick in sin, and we need a prescription, and we have got it. How do you and I keep sin at bay? It's because we, we take the prescription according to directions. Look at verse 33. This is what, these are the things we need to do. When we open up our Bibles, we have to say, teach me. Teach me. I need to be taught. I want to understand this. I don't want to just read words on a page. I just don't want to quickly do Monday night at 10 o'clock, 10 questions that aren't hard, but you can feel accomplished coming in on Tuesday. You did your 10 questions. No. Every day, you are, teach me. I desire to want to know, and I've got to learn, so teach me. And then verse 34, give me understanding. I need to understand this. Verse 35, direct me. Direct me onto the path that I need to go. Verse 36 and 37, turn my heart Turn my eyes. Why do they have to turn? Because where are you normally? Going down the wrong path. Because that path is so easy to go down. We need to turn. Okay. Now, look at verse 55. I don't want you to miss this one. 55. How many of us have been in the night and it's been long and it's been dark and it's been lonely and it's, I mean, that's where stress and that's when, um, you know, things go through our mind and, oh, it's not, sometimes night, that's why the psalmist says weeping lasts for the night, but you can always count on joy in the morning. However, this psalmist says, in the night, I remember your name, O Lord. And I will keep your law. I will let the Holy Spirit keep bringing to my recall what I have learned. That's what I do in the nights that I can't sleep. 
And then look at verse 67. I want you to make sure you see this. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. In other words, if God didn't love you enough to say no to you once in a while, if God didn't love you enough to, to um, get you off the wrong path and back on the right, and he's got to do whatever he's got to do to get our attention. Look at the psalmist writes, if I wasn't afflicted... Psalm 107, it says that the Lord, for the Israelites, sometimes the Lord had to turn their rivers into deserts to get their attention. They were so wayward. The psalmist writes, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But because of God's, you know, a lot of times discipline, we hate it. And we always think when something, when, when something afflicts us or suffering or whatever, we think, well, that was not very nice, God. That was, that's very now. Why would you do something like that? You can be glad that he is so nice, that he would do it. He could not even care. And then there you go. Because once you're sucked on the wrong path, you are going to go toward destruction. You can be glad you have a God that afflicts us. Because look, according to the writer, he admits, if it wasn't for that affliction, I wouldn't, I wouldn't obey your word. Look at verse 71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Look at verse 89. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. You never have to go to another book because there's no other book that you can honestly say that about. I don't care how, how culture changes. I don't care how many changes this world is going through. Your word, O oh Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. 91, your laws, your word endures to this day. Look at 93. I will never forget your prescription. I will never forget your precepts. I will never forget your prescription for my life. Because look. For by that prescription, by your word, look at, you have preserved my life. And a lot of times we think that that means, you know, our physical life. The Lord, you know what? Our physical life is not that big a deal to him. Our soul is a big deal to him. And where we spend our eternity is a big deal to him. And his prescription, when he is saying, you have preserved my life, that means I have a future. I won't experience the second eternal death. Look at 97. We want to get to the point where we say, oh, how I love this book. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light for my path. What a good analogy. If you want to know, because there's only two paths, how do you know which path to take? Well, his word is the light that will show you how to stay on the right path. His word is a lamp to your feet. How do you know where to walk? There it is. Look at verse 114. You are my refuge. You are my shield. Verse 116. Sustain me. Verse 117. Uphold me. Those are great strengthening words. When you feel you're going down, you are my refuge and my strength. You 
are the one that can sustain me. You are the one that can uphold me. Look at verse 145, 146, 147. What does the Lord want you and I to be doing? I call. I call with all my heart. I call out to you. I rise before dawn and I cry for your help. Every one of these verses, maybe five, but 171 times, he wants to teach us how we can walk blameless, how we can have a fulfilled, content, satisfied life, that we can understand what it's like to be blessed, to be able to live abundantly, to wake up every morning not saying, oh, another day, but oh, another day. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine today. To know that you're worth it to him. To know that you have a savior. All your words are true. And all your righteous words are are eternal. And that's why we studied this book this year. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, we know that your words are eternal and they're true, and we are going to study, and again, I say, may it be a sweet sound to your ears. May our hearts be putting smiles on your face because you know we desire, and we're going to work at it because you are worth it. We give you all praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.